you better have thought very purposefully about what you're saying. And it better be crisp. It better be very succinct because when you're talking, you're not coaching. When you're listening and you're in the passenger seat, you're responding and adapting, supporting, creating new awareness, then you're coaching. You're listening to the Building a Coaching Culture podcast. If you need to compete and win in the 21st century labor market as an employer of choice, this podcast is for you. Each week, we share leadership development, coaching, and culture development insights from leading experts who are developing world-class cultures in their own organizations. And now, here's your host, J.R. Flatter. Hey, welcome back, everybody. It's J.R. Flatter here. And as always, I'm here with my co-host, Lucas. Hello. So we wanted to spend this time building a coaching culture, talking about coaching questions. I know we've talked about what is coaching and how does it differ from mentoring. And and part of that difference, a big part of that difference is how do you engage? And in that session, we talked about findings and conclusions and recommendations. And as a coach, we help discover findings, we help discover conclusions, and we help discover recommendations. And largely, we do that through questioning and through powerful coach-like questioning. And that's what this session's all about is, what does it mean to ask a powerful question? What does it mean to be a coaching question versus a mentoring question or a therapy question? So that's what we're going to talk about. And as always, I rely on your experience as a coach and leader. So one of the things maybe I'll start off with is the arc of a session. And so when we talk about coaching, we talk about it both as an informal style of leadership within a coaching culture, but also an external formal coaching relationship or even an internal formal coaching relationship. But whether it's formal or informal, there's an arc to every session, A-R-C, arc, like arc of a bridge. So the eight competencies that we talked about in coaching, they're not meant to be a linear, I start with one and finish with eight. There's a natural linear progression there, but it's not absolute. And it, it is back and forth, waves and bows. There is a beginning and there is an end. We're teaching a boot camp as we speak a 30-hour Fundamentals of Coaching Bootcamp as we speak. And we're teaching that time is not our friend. Even as you and I are doing this podcast, I'm already looking at the clock and looking at the arc of the session. Where are we in the time available to discuss a particular topic? So this idea, this arc idea, transcends coaching, transcends the relationship, could be the arc of your day, arc of your year talk a lot about the arc of your lifetime. What do you want to accomplish in your lifetime? But in this particular session, when we're talking about asking powerful questions, it's primarily focused on the arc of any given session, whether it's formal or informal. I think the reason I like to start here when we start this discussion is to set that expectation that you could be as empathetic as you want to be You could be as supportive and adaptive and responsive as you want to be, but the clock is the clock, and the time you have is the time you have. 
And as a coach and as a leader, we want to be very purposeful about our use of that time. And in our management of that time, in our management of that arc, we want to make sure we lay a good baseline. We also want to make sure we capture the heart of the session, but also we don't want to leave them hanging, whoever we might be coaching, whether it was five minutes or 50 minutes, we don't want to leave them hanging. So that informs the questions we ask. In the beginning of a session, the questions will be primarily about the baseline of the session. What is it that we want to accomplish together? What would be some measures of success for the session? What about this session is important to you as a leader, as a human being? What might be some obstacles between us and success in this session? That's the beginning of this arc. The focus of the questions are necessarily on that baseline. And then as we get into the heart and soul of the session, our questions will necessarily move to those heart and soul competencies, four, five, six, and seven, cultivating trust and safety, maintaining presence, listening actively, evoking awareness. For me, if I look at competency two, which is embodying a coaching mindset and all of the sub competencies that say I'm embodying a coaching mindset in any given session or any given relationship. It's those four competencies that I look to. Am I supporting the leader that I'm working with? That's what competency four is for me all about. Am I adapting to what I'm learning and hearing? For me, that's what competency five is all about. Am I responding? Am I responding to the leader? That's what competency six and then finally creating competency seven. So that's the heart. And so therefore my questions, as I tend to be in the heart of a session, focus on that. But I could always go back to the baseline, back to three, or I can always go forward and close a particular topic. If I think in my coaching mind, yeah, we've gone where we needed to go in this particular topic. And I'll look at my watch, even though we don't coach to the hour, Time is time. And if I have sufficient time available and I think I have sufficient energy in the room and I've done the arc of that challenge, I might go back to the beginning and say, okay, we have 30 minutes left, 31 minutes left. Is there something else you wanted to bring into the, to the room today? If the energy is not strong and, or if I think it's time to celebrate and go home, that's what I'm going to do at the end of that particular challenge. So I know I'm wandering about the forest a little bit on the arc of a session. And I know you you coach and you coach to the calendar like we all do, to the time that you have set aside for any particular session. Talk to me about the arc of a session and how it informs your next challenging question, your next powerful question. Yeah, I mean, I think we had a podcast session talking all about the arc and the thing that I remember from that most vividly is you know, you can be at the end of a of an arc of a session, maybe you have 10 minutes left and you might have a really powerful question. Oh, this this could lead to some clarity, this could lead to some some actual results, but we can't we can't breach that topic at the end of the session. So, you're thinking about like you said the time constraint. I guess um thinking about it like um you're going on a trip and you have a destination in mind and your questions are kind of bringing you to that destination. But 
you don't want to be lost and stranded out in the middle of nowhere. You want to get back to, you know, you want to leave and come back home. So thinking about how you're going to set things up at the beginning, like you're saying, get into um, some clarity and provide some value to the person, but then also let's kind of wrap up. Let's have a little retrospective and see how did it go? What did you like about the session? What did I do well? And what did I need to improve next time? Yeah. And I I think a lot of what you just said, it goes to people who are newer to coaching. They make one or both of those coaching mistakes in, in any given session. One would be, yeah, we got five minutes left and I know we've just discovered fire for the first time ever as human beings and want to take a moment to celebrate you know what do you want to do in the last four minutes of our time together the same is true of not managing that time well at all and leaving them hanging oh you know what the clock just hit zero zero sorry i gotta go i got a doctor's appointment both are equally challenging in the arc of a session and so as i'm watching the clock as i always do I, I lose track and I was giving a lecture this morning, a particular topic. And I said, I want to be here for 10 minutes and then I want to get out and do some practice coaching, you know, 55 minutes later, we were still in session. So uh, even I'm not the best in the world at it. We're all human beings and we make human mistakes, but the clock is the clock. And when it hits a certain time, you have better drawn the session to a close with your powerful coaching questions and or laid the groundwork for what's happening next rather than hey the clock's at zero zero let's leave and equally challenging would be hey we got five minutes left and we've just had this amazing discovery and celebration you know what what do you want to do with our time together all of which goes back to what's the next powerful question or the next powerful observation that we want to make so in our coaching approach which Every coach builds an approach to how they coach, even though we all work with the same competencies and the same ethics and core values. Each of us develops our own approach. I have this arc in front of me in every coaching session I have. I have the eight competencies in front of me in every coaching session I have to include the PCC markers within them and what the ICF calls markers, which is how I demonstrate the competencies. So if I say embodying a coaching mindset, Here are the markers that demonstrate that because I know I don't want to leave them hanging, nor do I want to not give them the full power and scope of of coaching, nor do I want to open Pandora's box with four minutes left with a powerful question. It might be really powerful. Thoughts before we move on? Yeah, I, I like what you said about, you know, it's almost like a novice tendency to you know, you might not have those safety measures that an expert might have. So you're going gung ho and you actually end up, even though you're enthusiastic, you end up making some mistakes. Like maybe, like you said, you ask a powerful question right at the end and you cut somebody off. I was trying to um, teach Declan, my son, about like, just slow down, like, take a minute and like think about it and then do something. <laughs> and I don't know where I heard it, but I, I, somebody was talking about like, you're looking at a pond or like a Creek 
and you see a fish and if you stick your hand in it, all the mud goes everywhere and you can't see it. But if you go slow, you might be able to actually see it still. Yeah, you're quoting Daniel Kahneman now, thinking fast and slow. Oh, yeah. Take some time, slow down. Yeah, and a, a beautiful transition into some fundamentals of a powerful question. In a lot of ways, this part of our conversation is lessons learned from coaching and from teaching coaching. I just, one of the things we do, and we probably talk about this in every, every session, but when we give feedback, we give one-on-one feedback. One thing you loved about the session, one thing you thought could have been stronger. And this first bullet that I'm getting ready to talk about, I just actually, within the last 12 hours, gave to someone. And that is the powerful question at the beginning of the session should always start with a blank chalkboard and an empty table. And I'll take some time to, to explain that. If you're in a formal coaching relationship or you're coaching as a style of leadership, you're somewhere in the arc of your relationship with that person. You could have just met. You could have been working together for years. You could be in your first session. You could be in your 12th session. But every time you walk into the coaching room, which is where just you and the leader are, in my metaphor, there's an empty table and a blank chalkboard. And it's just the two of us. No distractions. We had a minute or two of mindfulness, get into the coaching room, stop doing what we were doing and get ready to coach and lead, learn, discover. Always, when I walk into that room, even if I've known you for years or even if I've been coaching you for years, I will ask that baseline question that leaves the chalkboard and the table completely empty. It would be something like, hey, what's the best use of our time today? Or what challenges are on your mind? And as I'm even thinking about example questions, I'm trying to ensure that I don't write on the chalkboard or put something on the table to premise what the session that we're about to have will contain because that ownership is not mine. It belongs to the leader. The findings, the conclusions, and the recommendations belong to the leader that I'm coaching. And if I preface our conversation with anything I've taken that ownership away from them. And we talk about a lot, the neuroscience of coaching, that simple nuanced mistake is potentially insignificant as it might seem, makes all the difference in the world in that session and in our relationship. And I'll give you an example before I pass the torch over to you. But if we had just had a session seven days earlier and you said, here's one thing I must accomplish before we come back together in seven days and absolutely commit to making it happen. And we do our thumbs up, close out. I ask you, I don't leave you hanging. So I do a good closing of the session and we come back together seven days later. Think about how different the conversation would be if I said, Hey, what's on your mind versus how did that go? Because I have no idea. What's happened to you in the last seven days? You could have had something absolutely catastrophic happen to you, or you could have had something absolutely magnificent happen to you. You could have an entirely new topic that's been on top of your mind for the entire week. You just couldn't wait to get together and have that, con- that discovery conversation with me. But now I've just suddenly snatched all that away from you, and I've taken ownership of the room. I've taken ownership of the relationship. I've taken ownership of the direction of the conversation. What are your thoughts on that blank table and the blank chalkboard? Yeah, 
I think uh, I've fallen into that several times where it's like, I have notes, so I'll pull up my notes and I'll say, okay, these are the things that we wrapped up with. And But I find, depending on the person, it can turn into like a long retrospective. And, and yeah, then we're focusing on just catching me up since the last time we spoke. And I also think about when like a photographer goes to look at some some bad events, you know, like war crimes or something, you see the photo and you think, why didn't somebody help them? They took a photo instead of helping. But it's like an ethical barrier for those professions. They're observing and they're not influencing. So I think that's important to keep in mind that we're observing and we're trying to gain clarity, but we're not trying to step in and be a player. Yeah, that's an, an, a great example of mentoring versus coaching, right? And as challenging as that might be, you're going to be faced with that decision again and again and again. Do I step in now as a mentor or in, in your analogy, an EMS or a soldier, or do I stay in my coaching role? So I rarely speak in absolutes, and I couldn't think about any exceptionist where I would preface the conversation by writing something on the chalkboard or putting something on the table as we both walked into that room. One of those probably near absolutes of a powerful coaching question to start a powerful coaching session. Most coaching questions start with what, who, or how. They're open-ended. If you look at competency eight and embedded within competency eight, as you close a session, it's always about what has been powerful in this session for you. Some way of asking, what have you discovered? What do you know now that you didn't know 30 minutes ago? But it's purposefully open-ended so that the person, their brain, again, going back to the neuroscience of coaching, doesn't go to a yes, no, but it rather goes and explores. So what, who, or how requires exploration and discovery. Yes or no is simply a yes or no. I would call that a box canyon question. If I ask you a box canyon question, I might find myself staring up on three sides with nowhere to go. So I try really, really hard. Who, what, or how? What's in your control? Who have you spoken to? How are you going to address this? I asked that closing question today, the coaching student And it probably took them five minutes to discover, it was a short 15-minute session, what they had discovered. I hesitate to say no one's ever said nothing. Like, yeah, I haven't discovered anything. It's been an absolutely waste of my time. But that's why it's a what, who, or a how. And in every coaching question, irrespective of where it is in the arc of the session, we want to initiate that same discovery, who, what, or how. Rarely, rarely, why? I'm not strong enough on this to make it an absolute. Neither am I strong enough on the who, what, or how. There are other beginning words of sentences that would not be a box canyon. But those are really good starting places. Avoiding the yes or no, not absolute, might be an appropriate time if you're engaged with an engaged leader and you know they're not going to leave you hanging and give you some exploratory thoughtful responses. If you're working with a voluntold and you ask a yes or no, a voluntold, somebody who came to you 
your coaching world because somebody told them they needed to or demand them demanded that they go get a coach. They're going to give you yes, no responses to yes, no questions. But if you're working with an engaged leader who's really seeking discovery and growth, they're going to work with you and you're going to get away with that once in a while. And the same is true of why, but it's really hard to ask a why question without being judgmental. Why did you do that? Why was that your response? Why are you interested in law? Why are you interested in medicine? Why did you say no? One of the things we teach in our coaching style, and it's actually going to be one of our topics in a few minutes is silence. Well, it's actually coming up really quickly. Learn to bask in silence. And one of the things that you do when you're basking in that silence, if you have a why question in your mind as your next powerful question, or a yes, no question as your next powerful question, turn it into a who, what, or a how. So instead of a why, one might ask, what were the criteria that led to that decision? Instead of a yes or no, a yes question or a no question is, did you learn anything in the last 30 minutes? A who, what, or how coaching question is, what do you know now that you didn't know 30 minutes ago? Who are you going to go talk to after this session? How is this challenge clearer to you now? Be really interested to hear your thoughts on who, what, how, and why, yes and no. Yeah, before you said that why is judgmental, that's that's what I was thinking about, where it's like you had mentioned what, how, you know, but not why. And I was thinking, oh, why is one of those third rail questions where, well, Simon Simon Sinek is, talks about how important finding your why is when you're going and trying to, you know, in an organization or have a goal for yourself personally. and. I think that it's so powerful because it contains like a multitude of other questions. So it's like, why did you do that? Like, what were you thinking? What were the circumstances? How did the situation come about? You're thinking like all these other things. And then you're basically asking the person to, you know, justify or explain it to you, explain to you all the circumstances in an ambiguous way where like if I ask what, I'm asking like about one specific thing. It's pretty interesting. I wonder if there's more psychology behind that. Yeah, and one of the reasons that's such a challenging question, and, and we'll get to competency eight in a minute, but one, one of the reasons it's such a challenging question is it requires a great deal of courage. Because as I asked that student coach this morning, what do you know now that you didn't know 15 minutes ago? in front of an entire cohort of students that I'm supposed to be the subject matter expert. And now this leader that I'm working with has the opportunity to tell me, well, you know, really nothing, absolutely nothing. It takes a lot of courage, but it has been my experience. If I'm engaged and using my knowledge, skills, ability, and experiences as a coach, there's going to be discovery in that question. If the leader's engaged in good faith, but yeah, it does require uh, some courage. Secondly, as I'm thinking about the next powerful question, well, not secondly, we've been talking for a while now. I'm thinking about who's in control. And I know I've been indirectly talking about this the whole time. But if I'm thinking in my mind, in the basking in my silence, letting the leader think and maybe perhaps even continue talking, I'm asking myself, who's in charge if I ask this question? And the metaphor that we use in our teaching is who's in the driver's seat. 
I, as the coach, always want to be in the passenger seat. I don't know if any of our listeners have ever taught their children how to drive, but it's a terribly frightening experience because for the first time, very likely in your parenting with regard to that child, you have so little control. There's no steering wheel, no brake, no accelerator at your feet where you've had that control until that very moment in almost every aspect of their life. The same challenge is there if you're using coaching as a style of leadership. As a mentor, you're the driver. Where are we going? How fast are we going to get there? Are there any stop-offs on the way? Are we going to go straight there or are we going to take two days to get there? All of those decisions as a mentor are yours. As soon as you put on the coaching hat and you sit in that passenger seat, you're now making sure the questions you're asking leave the leader in the driver's seat. Where, where, where is your head on this uh, metaphor that we use? Yeah, and I like going back to the mentorship versus coaching here because when you're just thinking about mentoring somebody, the first thing that comes to my mind is just talking and talking and talking and talking. But the, these powerful questions, it's not like you talk, 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 and then you try to come up with a powerful question. The powerful questions are the only things that you're saying pretty much in the session. It's interesting. Like, yeah, like it's almost like an insurance thing. Like you're putting the liability on the person, but you're also there getting the reward and they're getting the growth. So you want them to be responsible so that they can have that growth. Well, that concludes this episode of Building a Coaching Culture. I truly hope that this episode was helpful to you. If it was, be sure to follow us wherever you listen to podcasts. Maybe stop and give us a rating or a review and share this podcast with someone who might find it helpful as well. Thanks again, and we'll see you next time.